Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and respond to the one who has created us and redeemed us in Christ. And so welcome to all of you who are here in person and welcome to those who are joining online. We're thankful by God's spirit that he's called to us and united us together as his people. Uh, as we begin our time, just want to take a moment to uh, mention a few announcements. Uh, if you are visiting with us, you know, we're so glad that you're here and joining us. Uh, if you're, I'd like to share your information with the, the pastors. There's a, a, a card, a table, I'm sorry, a tablet on the welcome table. You can uh, leave information or you can go to the website. There's a connect card on the website that you can uh, communicate with us that way. A couple things about this morning. There is a number of classes that are going on. There is uh, nursery care and then there is a preschool class and children's worship and also the, thir the third through fifth grade class. And I'll dismiss those classes in just a moment. Also a reminder that there is youth group today. That's at 11 o'clock at the community space over on Rockwell. Uh, last couple things to mention, some announcements. As if you look at the back of your order, you'll see some things that are coming up in the life of the church. And so today there is a book discussion at four o'clock on the One Book, One Chicago uh, novel, Bedrock Faith. And then next Saturday, uh, February 5th, um, there is a an outing to an art exhibit downtown that uh, Taylor Worley and Adonijah Tianu are leading. So take a look at those. If those are of interest to you, you can uh, let, you know, let me know if you have questions or follow up with the information that's uh, in your order. Well, God's called us to gather and to be his people. Um, and as we get ready for worship, we'll go ahead and dismiss the kids. They can head to, their, to the back. Uh, Melinda will be there for the preschool class and children's worship, and Tommy is in the back uh, corner by the entrance for the third through fifth grade class, and those classes will run throughout the worship service. As we prepare to worship, let's take a moment of quiet uh, to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. The call to worship today is from Psalm 116. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together.
pray. Almighty, unchanging God, the creator of heaven and earth, the giver and sustainer of all life, you are truly worthy of all praise. Heavenly Father, we come this morning to renew our faith, to serve you and delight in you. Christ Jesus, we come to give you thanks for our redemption and forgiveness. Holy Spirit, come fill us with your presence so that we may be a light to God's mercy and love in this world. Lord God, honestly, honestly, we forget your promises and fail to see you and our neighbors clearly. Too often our posture towards our neighbors, families, friends is one of superiority and pride rather than humility. Our divisions and differences lead to distance rather than greater understanding. May our words and actions reflect your word and action towards us. Forgive us when we speak and act in ways that isolate and humiliate others. Forgive us for our pride in thinking that we know far better than others when our understanding and knowledge is limited. Too often we respond to others like Jonah, placing labels and assuming the worst, rather than seeking to see your presence and the depth of your mercy every moment. Many in our city and our neighborhoods feel unseen, misunderstood, and made to feel like other. Help us when we feel forgotten or rejected by our friends, families, leaders, and those around us. Remind us that you see everything and do not forget anyone. Draw near to us when we feel hurt and isolated. Open our eyes to see each other more clearly and respond with words of comfort and love rather than silence. And Lord God, we bring to you this day those who have lost loved ones and those who are sick. Lord God, in particular, we want to lift up our brother Kevin Bacon and his father Ross. Lord, we ask that your healing hand would be upon Ross. We ask that you would provide the transplant that he is needed. Lord, we pray that you would draw near to him and strengthen him by your grace and remind him of your constant presence and love. Lord, we also grieve with our sister Monica after the passing of her mother after a long battle of cancer. Lord, I pray that you would be with our sister Monica, that you would draw near to her and give her a peace that surpasses all understanding, and that you would draw near to her and comfort her during this time. Gracious God, this life and the weight of this world is too heavy and overwhelming to bear. Lift us up into your presence as we worship and turn our eyes to you again this morning. May we respond to your grace, which moves us closer to others in love and compassion. We pray this in your holy name, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, we are invited before our God to confess our sins. And it is often tempting to think that when we draw near to God, that he will receive us the way that others have received us, half-hearted, reluctantly, only tolerating us. And yet that's not who our God is. Our God is gracious, loving, and steadfast in his commitment to us. So I invite us during this time of confession to bring before our God both publicly and privately our sins. Would you join me? Almighty God, 
You have searched us and you know us. You know when we sit down and when we rise and you are acquainted with all of our ways. Loving Father, we confess to you that there is nothing about us that you do not already know. Give us courage to come to you with all our doubts, all our fears, and all our sin. Forgive us through Jesus Christ, our faithful Lord. Amen. you to take a moment of private personal confession.
Lord God, although our sins are heavy and weigh us down, we are not consumed by them, but you lift us up in Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. We give you thanks and praise. In his name, amen. Would you please stand with me and let us say these words of good news, of assurance that we have received forgiveness from our God. Those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Amen. You may be seated. The New Testament lesson is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The gospel lesson is Luke 4, verses 21 through 30. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. 
And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be able to worship together. And Justin, thanks for reading uh, God's word for us. We're going to continue uh, looking at the Old Testament prophetic book of Jonah. Uh, this is the third Sunday that we have been studying Jonah. And so before I read uh, this passage from the end of chapter one, let me uh, kind of remind us or, or catch us up on uh, where we are in the story. Uh, the book opens with God's call and Jonah's response. God says, arise, go to Nineveh, call to them to repent of their evil ways. But Jonah does the exact opposite. Called to go east, he went west. Directed to travel over land, he goes to the sea. Sent to the great city Nineveh, he goes to Tarshish, which is on the edge of the known world at that time. And he does all this to get away from the presence of the Lord. We find out later because he doesn't think the Ninevites deserve any mercy. So Jonah runs, but the Lord hurls a wind upon the sea. Jonah flees, but in God's mercy, he will not let him go. And so today, looking at this ship upon the waters in the midst of the storm, we'll see Jonah thrown overboard, and we'll see the calming of the storm. Jonah is a fascinating book. In, in four short chapters, there are surprises and twists and ironies. And this morning, we'll see something similar. We'll see a surprise that this prophet known for running and known for a prejudiced heart, that certain people don't deserve any mercy, that we'll see surprisingly that this one points us to Jesus and points us to the nature of love. So let's look at our passage. This is Jonah 1, verse 11 through 17. You can follow in your order or your Bible or just listen as I read. Then the sailors said to Jonah, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is God's word given for our good. Well, <clears throat> as we begin, it's good to remember that Jesus himself speaks about Jonah. 
In Matthew 12, some of the leaders came to Jesus and said, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus answered, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so I, the Son of Man, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus adds, behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. And what I hope we can see as we look at this passage, this strange story, is that when Jonah is cast out of the boat to calm the storm, his sacrifice tells us two things to notice, two things, the work of Jesus and the nature of love. The work of Jesus and the nature of love. So let's start first with this work of Jesus. And the way we can begin is just seeing, seeing the interaction between Jonah and the crew. Having established that Jonah, by his own admission, is evading the presence of the Lord, the God of the sea and the land, the crew fearful of this great storm, they turn to Jonah and they, they ask, what shall we do? What can we do to make this storm stop? Earlier, Jonah was asleep inside the ship, seeking to hide, seeking to escape from God's call upon him. You might recall if you were here before that the crew woke him up, but he was not moved by their call to pray. And he was not stirred by their question, who are you? He does not turn to God. He, he does not pray. Rather, Jonah says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet. We should pause for a moment and consider what's, what's going on inside of Jonah. As he's facing this calamity and coming to terms with his lack of control, I wonder, is he filled with anger? Is he filled with despair? Is his words a, a sense of giving up or, or trying to somehow continue to flee? Or maybe simply thinking, this is my calamity, this is my mess, I deserve such consequences. Again, it's many years removed in context different, but it's a chance even for us to think about our own storms. Those times when we come face to face or confronted with our lack of control and how we respond or what stirs within us. Or maybe Jonah is beginning to wake up. Maybe he's beginning to see anew. It is possible that he is even seeing these sailors as more than other, more than lowly pagans. It's possible that he's seeing these sailors as neighbors in the same boat with him. And maybe we're witnessing him being moved from indifference and contempt even to pity or consideration. And as we look at Jonah, it's worth us remembering that such a change, seeing somebody else, seeing their needs or their struggles, even across real differences, is often the first sign of waking up or coming to our senses. Throw me overboard. Well, this is too much for the crew, right? We can imagine their response. We're not going to do that. 
And so they turn from Jonah and they take up their oars and we can picture them digging in, rowing as hard as they can to bring the ship to dry land. But they can't. And facing the fact that they can't overcome the waves, they call out to the Lord, please do not let us perish for throwing this man overboard. Don't hold us accountable for his death. When I was young, <coughs> I had a nightlight in my room. Maybe you did, or maybe you still do. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. I remember this nightlight because it had a cover on it that had my name in blue letters. And I thought about it recently, strangely enough, when I was reading John Calvin, talking about God. Because John Calvin said that the best symbol that we have for God is light. The best symbol that we have for God is light. And he says this, it's because light goes forth and it fills. There's no boundaries, there's no limits. It can't be canceled or stopped by darkness. And that light came to my mind, that little night light, maybe unexpectedly, because when it was granting comfort and security in the night and giving me an awareness of the significance of light and the darkness, it was pointing to our God. And I mention that because we can think of Jonah thrown overboard. Whether he was overwhelmed or whether he was filled with anger or beginning to come to his senses or a mixture of all those things or more. In that moment, as he is cast into the deep, unexpectedly, he points to Jesus. Jesus says so himself. And the sign of Jonah did not start with the great fish. The sign of Jonah begins by Jonah offering himself to the uncontrollable sea and the raging storm to bring peace to others. As Jonah gives himself to save the sailors from the threatening calamity, so Jesus enters the storm of our separation, our sin and death, to save us, to bear what we deserve. See, Jesus compares himself to Jonah, and in this story, it's important that we see that connection even the comparison, though, that Jesus says that he is greater. Think about it. Je Jonah was cast out for his own choices. Jesus entered the waters, not of his own wrongdoing or his own death, but ours. Jonah only came near to death, swallowed by a great fish for three days. Jesus died on the cross, bearing the full weight of human suffering and sin and rejection. Judged guilty by the human powers, executed as a criminal, and placed in the tomb. As soon as Jonah hit the waters, God, whom he did not trust, miraculously saves him, swallowed by a great fish, which eventually cast him onto the land. Jesus, trusting his father, embraced the cross, but was raised victorious once for all over all powers, sin, and death. Jonah entered the waters to make the sea cease its raging and Jesus brings, bears our trespasses in his body that we might know the calm of God's acceptance and forgiveness. And when Jonah entered the waters, pagan sailors worshiped the true and living God. And Jesus, by his death, made a way for all the nations to come and be part of God's family now and forever. Jonah is not Jesus. 
but his sacrifice points us to the work of Christ. And in this strange story, we're invited to think about who God is in his mercy for us in the midst of storms and raging waters. Well, the first thing we can see in Jonah is that his sacrifice points to Jesus. The second thing is that it points to the nature of love. And this we'll look at more briefly. We heard just a moment ago Justin read from 1 Corinthians 13, in which we hear, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, but have not love, I am nothing. It continues to give a description of what love is, and in particular I want to highlight that love, this, this list of qualities that say that love is not about me first. I highlight this one description, that love bears all things. Love bears all things. Jonah entering the water for the crew points to this pattern of love. Displayed chiefly in Jesus, we see it just a piece in Jonah. And this pattern is substitutional in nature. And what I mean by that is one giving him or herself on behalf of another, receiving or bearing something on behalf of someone else. Think about our relationships. Think about your relationships for a moment. Loving relationships require sacrifices for another. Disruptions to our schedules and plans, whether in big or small ways, short-term or long-term. Sacrificing money or energy or opportunities for another. Letting go of personal freedom, keeping a promise vow despite cost, forgiving someone who we could simply pay back or get back at. Offering loyalty to a suffering person whose troubles are draining. Without such sacrifices, without giving of one's self to bear another, there is no love. Jonah points to this need to bear another's need he points into taking on the storm that others would find peace. And Jesus says to us, behold, one greater than Jonah is here. And when God came into the world in the person of Christ, God loves us like this. Jesus said he came not to serve, but to serve. God came to bear his own justice, came to bear and carry our transgressions. And so if you think about Jonah, it might be surprising or unexpected, but here's this one who was running away, one who was convinced that certain people that he didn't like did not deserve mercy. In him, in this moment, we have an opportunity to think about the very nature of love or what it looks like or what it could be to bear with another. And so when we're invited, maybe surprisingly by Jonah, to think in our own life, our own relationships, do we reflect this love of God to those near us, to those that God has brought into our life. As we close, I want to highlight that, that sailors, as they were wrestling with what they should do, they say to God, O oh Lord, you have done as it pleased you. <laughs> o oh Lord, you have done as it pleased you. When these pagan sailors say this word, whether they know it or not, or they are echoing the prophet Isaiah. They're echoing the Psalms in numerous places. Where is their God? Our God is the one in the heavens. He does what he pleases. 
He's not an empty idol or a futile something made by hands. Our God is the one who does whatever he pleases. And what I want us to see is it pleased God to pursue the one who ran away. It pleased God to extend mercy to one who could be deemed not to deserve it. It pleased God, even in the midst of Jonah's weaknesses and running, to use his life to display his power and faithfulness and steadfast love. And it pleases our God to send his beloved son to bear your burdens and mine, to bear our shame and my shame, to bear our death, that we may know his rest and his mercy. And it even pleases God in the midst of our doubts and questions, in the midst of our confusion and running, in the midst of our own struggles, to use our lives to point to his light in the midst of darkness. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and for your goodness to us. And I thank you for this passage of Jonah. It invites us to think deeply about you and your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Almighty God, your faithfulness to us knows no boundaries. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. During this time, we're participating in sacrament of communion together through these prepackaged elements. If you're planning on participating in communion and you need one, just uh, raise your hand and we can bring you one. Anyone need one? Okay. Well, God invites us to the table uh, that he sets, a table that invites us to think of his love and the nature of it. We remind ourselves each week that this table is not set for us because we bring all of our own strength and all of our accomplishments. Rather, we come with empty hands, confessing our hunger and our thirst. And at this very table, Jesus tells us that he bears our life, our suffering, our sin, and even our death in himself through the bread and cup, inviting us to rest in that love, that sacrificial love for us. So I invite you this day to come, to bring who you are, your sin and your need, your hunger to God. For it pleases him, it pleases God to receive sinners at his table. This is the good news in Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, then come and eat. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this be a witness and a sign of who God is and his love for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. We thank you for the bread and cup and ask that you would, by your spirit, help us to receive them in faith and that by your spirit you would strengthen us, encourage us, and comfort us. That we would rest in you and that go forth as men and women marked by your mercy and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. Well, in response to this table, as you are able, I invite you to stand, and that we can pray and sing as God's people, and that we can confess our faith together. Lord Jesus, you have shown us with your life, death, and resurrection what faithfulness means. Strengthen us to be faithful to your gospel as we proclaim the mystery of faith. invite to confess the faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, God has been gracious to us and generous in his love. We've been invited to respond with our generosity to the work of the church, and so I invite you to, to give. There's silver offering plates in the back, and you can also give uh, to the work of the church through the website. Uh, through the Give page. I invite you to do so. Let's respond to God's generosity by singing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. You may go in peace. <laughs>